What's the story behind the story? We'll find out on Dropping In. Our guests are today's original thinkers, conversations that spark new ways of seeing what's going on. We bring it all to the table. Diverse perspectives, controversy, loving, and singular voices. Magically, stories reveal the common threads that link us. Experience the joys, the fist pumps, the detours, and the hard-won truths of those who blaze the trail so that we might do the same. And now, here's your host, Diane Dewey. Welcome to Dropping In, everyone. We're here today with Celeste Vissiere, one of the most constructive, practical voices in mental health counseling today. With the least amount of woo-woo in her two best-selling books, Relationship Goals and 365 Days of Intentional Living, everybody wants to know how to kickstart our relationship, right? Or even our lives in the pandemic. These are hands-on guides to stay in touch with ourselves, and they include on the emotions chart a state called hungover. So, Celeste, you are keeping it real. Welcome to Dropping In. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> it's really it's really a joy. Um, Celeste, the therapist, is the name of your podcast. You've been a Boston therapist for 20 years now, a mental health advocate, best-selling author, and you're frequently quoted by the media as a mental health expert, including the Washington Post, NBC News, Vice, Healthline, Bustle, and TV One and Fox Soul TV. You believe in the power of living a conscious life and have dedicated your personal and professional endeavors to breaking the stigma surrounding mental and emotional health, especially in communities of color. Celeste, the therapist, is your weekly podcast, and it streams on all podcasting platforms in over 100 countries, featuring guests who empower others in various capacities. The goal is to shift the way people think and to give people hope. Congratulations, Celeste. I want to dive into your books, but first, I feel like we have to take a detour to talk about the elephant in the room. Another police shooting of an African-American this week, Duante Wright, age 20, with a two-year-old, right in the midst of the Derek Chauvin trial. This is trauma that we have to absorb seemingly each week. Uh, It's an unbearable kind of disbelief and disinformation. How do you talk through this with people in terms of processing this kind of trauma? Yeah. So thank you so much for having me. Uh, I think that, you know, a lot of, a lot, most of my clients are black and, uh, and um, even before all the the police stuff that we see on the news, I think we see it more, uh, clearly because we've been in the pandemic, so everyone's at a standstill. So uh, the, the cycle of news is, is recycling. Um, and as I'm talking to them, uh, unfortunately for, for some people, it does bring up past, uh, past uh, history of, of dealing with the police and, and that matter. Um, and, you know, one thing that I'm huge on, even when the pandemic started, is looking at what's within your control. Because, uh, you know, uh, we don't know what tomorrow holds, but we only have right now. And I think that what happens when we're seeing this stuff on TV, you're at a heightened state. 
Um, and so, you know, with my clients, especially uh, when it, this comes up for them, uh, I'm, I'm big on helping them get grounded um, and turning off the TV, right, um, and making sure that they're able to do uh, things that's going to help them stay in the present. Mm-hmm. Well, it's really important to have your voice, right, because as of 12, 200 sorry, 2015, 80% of the mental health counselors in this country were white. Um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So then you have, uh, let's say the next next, uh, demographic is Hispanic and then African-American, maybe four or five percent only. And yet African-Americans are coping with a vast amount of trauma these macroaggressions and also microaggressions. Sometimes I think, well, we at least know about it. I get the sense that this was happening before and we just simply didn't know about it. Um, You know, it's right. I mean, and this kind of societal trauma, it also, doesn't it really come back to the idea of securing what we stand for, what our voices you need to say, who we are as people, because I love the fact that you always come back to the idea of what's within our control. Yeah, 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 what's within our control. And I think, um, like you said, like this has been going on for a while, but people are seeing it now. Uh, and I, I don't think people are bad people. I, I feel like, you know, even though most of my clients are black, I work with all race, socioeconomic status, uh, genders. And so I just think that our experiences are what we've been exposed to. Um, and I think, um, you know, with like America, I feel like, you know, things that were written in the constitution and, and certain things were, you know, all are created equal in, in those type of things. But the systems that have been here for years, uh, when you live in a system like that, you don't even recognize, uh, you know, the damage or the uh, implicit bias that takes place because it's all you know. Uh, so, you know, I have like, I, you know, when I started my career, I was 19 at a homeless shelter and I thought all homeless people were people that were alcoholics, right? That was ignorance on my end. And I had to educate myself. And, um, you know, that's like the, my favorite population to work with is people that are homeless or dealing with major mental health issues. Um, and I think it's the same thing with race and for people like that are struggling with understanding like systemic racism. And I get it. Like, and I think, you know, in, in our history books, I, you know, I went to school here in America, like everything was centered around um, whiteness. Um, So, like, if that's all you know, it makes sense why you would not understand, like, this stuff has been happening for so long because you've been, it's so ingrained in you. Um, And so I can only imagine, like, you know, I've had a lot of um, white uh, people on my podcast who have talked about, like, the awakening that they've had and, you know, just how hard it is. Um, So I just think that, like, at our core, I feel like we're all good people, um, but, you know, we're corrupted by our environment. Um, and so that's why if I'm mindful, if I'm present, if I'm self-aware, I can see things so clearly. But most of us are operating on autopilot, so we're not really able to see things clear. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, you talk about the split, you know, the thing, you know, there's a way in which the authorities have let us down, right? We don't, you call 911 mm-hmm. and you have this trust, you know, the cops are going to mm-hmm. come, they're going to, they're going to help you. Well, what if they mm-hmm. don't? You know, what if it's just the opposite? And that that breach of trust and trying to understand that the people who are meant to be our allies are people who turn against certain populations in particular, mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. a real that's a real like emotional scar for, for, for all of mm-hmm. us. And I, I agree mm-hmm. with you that we all sustain it. Um and I, I wondered about um, you know, you just talked about the homeless population because, hey, mental health issues are, are like the underpants of every single societal mm-hmm. issue, right? I mean, homelessness, mm-hmm. drug use, crime, mm-hmm. and yet mm-hmm. we still stigmatize seeking help <laughs> as a weakness. Uh, how are you helping to overcome this in your work? Yeah, so I a lot of education. The the reason why I really start I started going on social media probably back in 2015 when I was in a working in the emergency room. I have a long history of of working in different uh, with different people in different settings, and I remember uh, you know a guy who uh, was sober for a month had been using for 15 years um, using substances and was sober and was having all of these symptoms of anxiety. Uh, and then educating him for that 45 minutes in his room about how, uh, you know, like you were probably drinking because like it alleviated some of the symptoms of your anxiety and, and, you know, like whether it's food or alcohol or work or school, like, you know, we're looking for comfort and uh, sometimes we find it in substances or things that are not good for us. And just seeing his eyes light up, it was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that that's what's happening. And it's like, we all should understand this stuff. There's no reason why in this country, like we don't understand how important our mental health is because it can literally control like everything we choose to do or not do, right? Like keeping us stagnant in certain places. And so what I do is, um, you know, I initially just started like posting on social media about mental health things a few years ago, uh, then started going live on, uh, on Periscope and YouTube, and then I eventually branched into podcasting, and I'm literally just talking about mental health as if I'm talking about having pizza, and so, like, I bring an energy to people that helps them shift their thought process because I normalize it, and I think the more we normalize mental health, the more people are going to, you know, people are easily like, I'm going to go get a physical, but say I'm going to see my therapist, then you get in, like, yeah people are turning their eyes on you as if something's wrong with you, but it's like, no, like I want to be healthy. I'm going to see a therapist. That's okay. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm really just trying to normalize it and make it an everyday conversation. Well, and you are seeing people, you know, when you, you described the way that substances, you know, help a person cope mm-hmm. and maybe s- slows down time and there aren't the anxious moments, mm-hmm. you know, that person felt seen by you. And, mm-hmm. you know, that, that acknowledgement is just so huge because I feel like there's a lot of unseen people who, you know, feel yeah. damaged, just feel, we feel damaged. And, you know, here's Meghan Markle going on Oprah saying, look, I tried to seek mental health counseling. Right. 
I mean, this is a kind of maybe bizarre example, but, you know, then at the palace, they said, no, you can't. We can't risk right. that that damage. Uh, damage. I mean, what if she'd really acted on her depressive impulses? Um, right. We prioritize how we're supposed to look over even su- sur- survival. Um, right. Like, how can this be, is, is the question. And I've had um, doctors um, tell me that they've had to, like, pay under the table, like, not use the insurance. Uh, they don't want, you know, if it's on their record, they could lose their license, that they, they need help. And so, like, our systems don't help, you know, us, you know, uh, talk about it freely. Um, you know, people will be okay with me going to the bar after work as opposed to, saying I'm struggling, you know, like, well, let's just go, you know, go to the bar. And it's just like, we're not getting to the root of the issue. And I think in America, we're so much about like success, meaning like how much you have, what you have, who you're with. And so all of the validation, unfortunately, that we've grown accustomed to has been about uh, utilizing things outside of us. So, mm-hmm. like, the, what's inside, like, as I'm climbing this ladder and going to school and getting my degree and, and bar- embarking on entrepreneurship, like, that's being celebrated, but no one's asking me, how am I feeling? And I mm-hmm. think that's where, like, there's such a big, like, we have so, we're, 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 like, one of, like, the richest nations, but we are one of the highest of, in depression and anxiety because our priorities are jacked up, honestly, mm-hmm. um, here in America. And we're looking at the temporary fixes, and as you say, the there outward. You there you go. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm. I'm. I'm going to ask you since you you just segued in in the in the thought of how are you feeling? How do you describe yourself now that you're in this for 20 years? How how are you feeling about connecting to yeah. various populations? So how am I? So as far as like. Uh, so, you know, I started when I was 19 in the field. I wasn't always this awakened. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I definitely, like, you know, looking back, I struggled with depression. I thought uh, mental health or therapy was for white people. Um, I, you know, I, I didn't see, this is even as an adult, I ended up in the hospital. My oxygen level was low. And they're like, you want to see a social worker? And I was 19. I was like, oh, my gosh, they think something's wrong with me. Like, so I, I always tell that story because I'm in a whole nother state just to, one, let people know, like, you can change. Like, our we are self-healers. And, two, that, like, you don't have to be, like, born in this, like, awakening household to have an awakening. Like, if you're still breathing, there's room for change. Um, and now, um, you know, I have so much peace that I never thought was attainable, but I know it's only because of everything that I'm doing to live and not survive. I think my instinct has always been living in survival mode and just going, going, going. Um, but living just feels different. You know, I've, I've seen like, you know, you meet some people where when you're around them, there's like peace. And and I'm just like, wow, like they seem so peaceful. Their life must be perfect. And, and so now people think that of me, but it's not that my life is perfect. It's just that I deal with the obstacles as they come. I don't run away from my suffering. I actually lean into it. Um, I acknowledge it because it's a part of me. And I think that if we start to like do that on a regular basis, um, our lives would look differently. I never, I didn't hit the lottery. I didn't get a new house before this change happened. 
it was literally just me changing the way that I'm looking at my life and, and my situation and staying in the present moment. And being really honest with yourself, uh, you you mm-hmm. had to come you had to come to to ground with yourself and yeah. Yeah. You talk. You talk in the book, uh, relationship goals, about the fact that you you came from a fractured household. Mm-hmm. Um, your your parents were, were not together. Yet you you married a man who came from a very loving family, um, mm-hmm. which must have been a very you know loving <laughs> loving and intact. It must have been a very welcome and also shocking kind of yeah. dynamic like your styles would be completely different, right? As a result. Yes, and yes, yes. You you looked into yourself and you're teaching others how to do that. I mean, how was yeah. that for you? How was that to do? <laughs> that was that I was I would say like I'm surprised you're still with me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've been married for almost thirteen years and I was just a hot mess. And you know, like when I look back I realize like he was healthy to my toxic system. And um, if he did not hold me accountable, either he would have turned toxic with me or he, he would have left me. <laughs> like, And so I think him holding me accountable where it's like, you know, I have issues with abandonment and security, right? And so, like, he could be doing everything right and then one thing happens and I'm, like, flipping off. Um, and it was only because I didn't challenge that abandonment. Like, you know, when you don't process your pain, your brain can't differentiate if am I six or am I 26, right? Like Mm -hmm. a lot of us are operating from an emotionally traumatized kid's place because we've never acknowledged the pain. And so the pain is just literally floating in our body until it comes up again. And then we're not able to tell that like actually, He's not abandoning you, Celeste. It's like you're fine. Um, and so, like, it was it was a hard to actually – I had to put my ego aside and be like, you know what, Celeste, this is on you. Uh, that was a hot – that was very hard, but I'm happy I did it because, again, I have so much peace. <laughs> well, it's it's great. I mean, and also the fact that you said to yourself, stand back. Wait, stand back. Before you flip out, um, stand back. And I I thought to myself, wow, girl, how did you do that? Like, how did you start talking to yourself and listening to yourself more importantly? I mean, how was that transition for you? Were you getting a lot of support in this or how did this work? No, and that's like, you know, I credit God for the wisdom that I have um, because, you know, I hear stories I have. There's a lot of people that like, they'll talk about, like, this person was in my life. I Honestly, there's, there wasn't no one in my life. I really do believe that, like, my purpose on this earth is to help other people, like, transform their suffering and shifting their thought process because it comes so naturally for me. Um, and, and for me, um, you know, when I started therapy, I was probably about 25. I'm 38 now, but I was about 25. And... Um, that was really, really hard. I think nobody talks, like, as we're transforming and changing, nobody talks about, like, the hard part of it, right? They just say, go, like, go to therapy and do this. But it's, it was a hard transition. And I was just sick and tired of, like, going to bed, hoping that I died and waking up, like, mm-hmm. oh, my gosh, I got to do this all over again, right? Like, so I got tired of living my life that way. So I'm the common denominator in my life. <laughs> so mm-hmm. then I just 
you know, I said, let me just look and, and, and do this work. And so I think, you know, the combination of therapy and just like really not wanting more for myself um, forced me to do that. And you didn't want the pain anymore. And you I didn't are want all, the pain. yeah, thank goodness. I, I think also, you know, there, this, I think you're, you're really, really uh, focusing on the idea we are a person too. We have ourselves. And that's, yes. that's, that's really something I think we give up on and even sometimes abandon ourselves, you know, as the ally, mm-hmm. as, as, as the person we need to talk to. Yes. For, right? And then, and then yeah, and then call Celeste, the therapist, or get on the podcast for <laughs> sure. We, we have to take a commercial break here, but when we come back, we'll continue talking to C- Celeste Vissier, author of these two amazing books, They Couldn't Be More Down to Earth, and we'll dive into them when we come back on Dropping In. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. She Writes Press is an independent publishing company founded for women writers everywhere. Together with sister company Spark Press, serving men and women, it is both mission-driven and community-oriented. The aim is to serve writers who wish to maintain greater ownership and control of their projects while getting the highest quality editorial help possible, traditional distribution, and an in-house marketing and publicity team. In 2019, She Writes Press was named Indie Publisher of the Year. You can find out more on SheWritesPress.com. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Dropping In with Diane Dewey. We'd love to hear from you if you have a question or comment about the show. Send us an email to Diane at DianeDewey.com. That's Diane at DianeDewey.com. Now, back to Dropping In. Welcome back, everyone. We're here with Celeste Vissier, and she's sharing stories, personal and professional, that help us understand how we need to own our stuff. And I think uh, that, Celeste, it's it's really something that's a gift that you have to you know, be transparent and also just to to say, wait a minute, I'm not going to keep pointing the finger. It's pretty easy to do that. And certainly for people of color, there's a lot of legitimate reasons to be pointing the finger. Mm-hmm. But you're teaching people about coping skills for themselves. I wondered, you know, we kind of touched on it, but I wondered about, uh, not to make generalizations, but the reticence of people of color, historically anyway, to seek, mm-hmm. ther- to seek therapy. Is it changed now that there are more therapists of color? Are you seeing more willingness now that there are more role models, including yourself, to do this? Yeah, I'm seeing, um, and, that, and that's pretty accurate in my community. Uh, you know, I think that therapy was not always accessible to us because of, like, uh, money and just education around it. There wasn't a lot of black people, um, black therapists. I think we relied on church 
Um, I know it's mm-hmm. definitely in my household. It was not like if you're crying and you're not bleeding, that wasn't okay. And and just the thought of like now, like I I can't imagine like you know with my kids telling them like if they're sad, like suck it up, right? Um, mm-hmm. Praying about it was like something that like is big in the black households, and also don't tell anybody. Um, so not only are you not able to express yourself, but you're holding on to like pain and trauma. Um, and, and where does it go? It's literally sitting in our, in our body. Um, so I think that has it changed? Yeah, I, I do notice it, it's changed a lot. I mean, my oldest client is, um, 65 and, um, and she like is doing remarkably well, but you know, she said back in her like time, like that was not something that would have happened before. But, um, I think that the more, people like me and other um, influencers kind of talk about it and normalize it, we'll definitely see a bigger change. Well, you talk about the fact that um, when we have a cut and we're bleeding, we run for the Mm -hmm. Band-Aid. And when we're Mm -hmm. bleeding, bleeding out emotionally, uh, we're not running Mm -hmm. for, we're not running for the right Band-Aids. Let's put it that way. Right. I mean, if you are, you know, talking about uh, people seeking help and you yourself going into the field when you did, I mean, what do you think prompted you? You, ha- you, you suffered from a lot of depression and pain. Mm-hmm. I, wondered, mm-hmm. I, wondered, I wondered if you felt, too, that, um, you know, owning your history of coming from a family that was a broken family, uh, propelled you forward that you you wanted to heal like the, you you know you said in the in the beginning people are good people people also want to heal right it's an urge mm-hmm. did that was that yeah. always there in you yeah um yeah so I think um yeah I wanted to heal and I um I don't know like if I knew what that would have looked like um I just wanted to feel different than what I was feeling before um and and so that definitely kind of propelled me um, into um, working on myself. I think that you know I started I started this career path because you know nineteen working at a shelter and and back this is before nine eleven uh, it was mostly white the town I was in was white older males who were struggling with alcoholism and they and I'm I'm thinking nineteen like these guys are older than me like we're not even the same like sex. And um, they were always, like, afterwards, like, thank you, Celeste. And I was like, why are you guys thinking me? Like, because you listened, right? And so I'm just thinking, like, oh, and then I found out I could get paid to listen to people. And I <laughs> do it easily. Like, it was easy for me to do. Um, so that's how I kind of started in this field. But even through my listening to them and helping them, I did not see myself as needing the support, um, mm-hmm. even as I'm going to school for psychology, right? Um, so... I think that, um, I think, yeah, just me kind of being tired of everything, um, feeling the way it felt, um, and also um, understanding um, that things were not my fault that happened to me growing up. Um, But then I got to the point of, like, right now it's my responsibility to be okay. And and that just sits with me really heavy. Um, And I think that people are are more likely to get the Band-Aid because getting the Band-Aid has been normalized. Um, mm-hmm. The way that things are, are talked about on TV with mental health is um, the schizophrenic person did X, Y, and Z. They don't say this diabetic person did that, 
this high cholesterol person did that, right? The medical terms that these people are struggling with are not mentioned in the crime report. But if it's depression, if it's anxiety, it's blasted everywhere, even on TV. Um, so, mm-hmm. you know, when, again, your environment, if your environment does not um, enable or, you know, enhance this idea of wellness, right? Like, it, why would it be the first thing you run to, right? right. Like, it's, it's not, yeah. It's exactly. It's not. Um, it's not something you know, and schools. Yeah. Schools need to embrace it, right, as part of a curriculum. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. church, churches. That was always the community, right? That was the community yes. coming to, together. Um, mm-hmm. But you, you do leave the church on Sunday. You leave the church and you go back to <laughs> your house, and you're you're in your house again. You know. Um, I, I, I think it's interesting too when you say about you you weren't necessarily seeking the support you you actually needed, but you went to school, and that tells me something mm-hmm. because you know your your mind was seeking information. Maybe you mm-hmm. thought, um, you know, like we we all used to say, well, this is for my friend, you know, this is for other people. <laughs> <laughs> but you were seeking this information, like Celeste. I was. Wanted, you were. Like Celeste needs to know. You wanted to know. I did. Um, you, <laughs> Good point. <laughs> you, you, and you found out and now you're sharing it and that's the golden part. Yes. You've you've got kids. You just mentioned them, and mm-hmm. um, you were talking about how you basically refused, thankfully, to ask them to suck it up when they're experiencing things. Um, do, do you how how has it been having? It sounds like you know you talked during the break we, that you have a blended family. Um, lots mm-hmm. of people out there do. Um, how are you applying listening skills and working with your family and? Um, you know, just what's the climate there? Yeah, um, it's been it's been good. It's been a journey. Um, right after we got married, my aunt died of breast. She had breast cancer. I didn't know her that well, but she had two kids. They were five and seven um, that no one wanted, and I've always wanted to adopt. Um, they were their special needs. One's autistic, and the, and the oldest is delayed. Um, so we took the kids before I even had kids. We took them in, and. Um, so my autistic son, it was he wasn't speaking. He was five, you know, and that was really hard. I actually started, um, <laughs> I actually started working, um, trying to like start a nonprofit for parents of kids with autism because I recognized like how how much of a struggle it was. Um, and then my, you know, I became general. Like I started working with everyone, but uh, but now like you know he's sixteen. My oldest is eighteen. They're talking. They're um, it's, it's amazing. It was a journey. Um, and then, you know, the, have the two younger ones, um, a big thing in our household is we talk about emotions. Um, recently my, um, my mother-in-law died. She was living with us and, and oh, it was, um, sorry. suddenly, and, and my youngest daughter has been having a lot of anxiety, um, when we're not home by a certain time because, um, she was away from the home when she passed away. Um, when we're not mm-hmm. home at a certain time, she starts panicking. Um, so, like, we use, like, scented, um, we use scented lotion, like, uh, sorry, aromatherapy lotion, um, um, a song, a, a gospel song that she likes called Be Still and Know That I'm God. Um, she does jumping jacks. 
So one of the things that I've, like, she, she's been able to say, she's eight, um, you know, like, we really have to cherish the time we have because we don't know how long we have with, our, with people that we love. Um, so it pains me that she has to, like, deal with this. But then the beauty and the struggle is that, wow, like, she's learning how to deal with, with the struggle of life. Like, I'm not sheltering her and trying to, like, put her in things to pretend like she's not in pain. Right. So like I, I ate, I did not have that. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, as these things come up for us, um, I've been leaning into it and um, with the kids. And I, <laughs> if you told me like I would be able to be calm knowing like my kid, like daughter is struggling with the anxiety. Cause I know what it's like. I deal with only adults, but I know if I don't help her work on it now, like where it's going to lead her down the road. So um, so I'm, you know, I'm big on like, what's the beauty in the struggle, right? Like, cause I think that life is hard, um, mm-hmm. and there's so much pain in life. Um, and I just want to be able to like do what I can while I'm here. Um, so it's been a journey with the kids. <laughs> it's a lot what you're doing. And yeah. it, it's so different when I think about, um, well, on, on, is going, she's gone to heaven and you're a kid right. and you're trying, you're trying to process this. It's like, what? I'm what? Yeah. And, you know, I think if nothing else, you're teaching her that there are tools you can access tools. Yes. She's, yes. she's not without resources. And I think you giving her that it doesn't really matter almost if it's aromatherapy or, you know, which is known to be calming, but, you know, she will always know that there's something that she can yeah. do for herself, which is just a message. You can't just say that you have to live it. Right. And yes. I think you're giving her that, which is, it's huge. Um, in your and I've book, never had it either. So like to, to see her do this, you know, like I tell people it's, it's for, we have everything we need. I, I really believe that God gives us what we need. We just have to learn to tap into it. And access it. Right. I think, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm taking, I'm taking your book, um, relationship goals really with me in, in, in terms of it's a concise down to earth book mm-hmm. I probably will reread it um let's 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 break it down here just a second you you've titled it um relationship goals which is a hashtag on social media and yet you are an advocate for tuning out and bringing yourselves into your own center where your relationship really exists for the two of you which is always unique so mm-hmm. So how do we do this, Celeste? This is a big job. <laughs> um, you know, really, you're 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 really talking about something important. First of all, let's talk about the idea of comparison. How damaging is it that we compare ourselves to others all the time? Oh my gosh, it's horrible. Um, you know, we're looking at highlighted reels, guys. <laughs> so, uh, you know, that I think, you know, that's the the. the thing about social media and internet is that we get to see like people's highlighted reels. And if we remind ourselves of that, um, we won't get so sucked into, you know, what's happening on that picture perfect thing that we're seeing. Um, and, and, and I think that if we're not looking just at our relationship, how do I make my relationship better than it was yesterday? We're always going to listen to the noise outside of us. 
again, our environment is important in so many things. And so, you know, America is about capitalism and making you feel inadequate so you can buy, so you can want more. Um, and so there's so many different things that you're looking at and seeing. You've got to stay mindful so that you're not um, looking at that stuff and saying, well, what, what about me? What about my relationship? Why can't you do it like that? Um, it's very, very damaging. Um, and, and, and it happens so, it creeps up on you so slowly. Uh, so, you know, got to be careful of that. Mm-hmm. Why doesn't he give me gifts like she just got a gift? Yes. What, what about that yes. big bouquet of flowers, you know? Um, and, and, and like you were talking very candidly in the book about when your husband would leave the house and, you know, you had your fears, as you said, you have a fear of abandonment. I think about it in terms of your daughter as well. There's the connector. You've addressed mm-hmm. her, her fears. We didn't have anybody to mm-hmm. do that for us necessarily. So, you know, you're, you're talking about ways that we can address our fears and looking at them so that they're not operating our whole relationship. Exactly. Yeah. He doesn't bring me gifts. So, but that doesn't mean that he doesn't love me. It's like, Oh my God, he doesn't love me. Oh my God. It's, you know, but bear in mind that these people have hair and makeup specialists before they even do their Instagram posts. It's incredible. Right. That we compare ourselves. It's really, it, when you break it down, it is kind of ridiculous, but it's, we're so susceptible. We look at our neighbors. We are. And we are yes. just so susceptible. And in that way, it's great that, you know, you're kind of providing a role model that is all about keeping it real, all about keeping it personal. Um, you have a thing called, I was curious, the Uniting Center. Um, so there's one way to get in touch with Celeste Vissier, who we're talking to, um, is is through the Uniting Center. What What is the Uniting Center? It relates to the relationship goals and the 365 days of intentional living. How does it support the community? What is it and what does it so do? So that's the name of uh, my practice, the Uniting Center. So initially I was um, a brick and mortar mortar. And um, I was creating a center um, for, I wanted to be like a wellness place. Um, In 2018, I started my podcast um, and uh, it kind of like took off. And so I, uh, I, you know, switched up and and I went online full-time 2020, but my practice is still the Uniting Center. And the name really came from, um, I just like, I'm all about community and uniting. I think that when we, um, when we know we're not alone, there's this sense of like being seen and, um, and you know, when you hear somebody's story, like alcoholic AA works really well because you have somebody that comes in day one, not sure if they can stay sober or work through their problems. And they hear a story from somebody who's 20 years sober and they get hope. And so like, you know, I really want to kind of bring hope to people, which is why I called it the Uniting Center. Is that about, you know, it sounds completely wonderful. And I feel like in an intangible way, it still exists because you, mm-hmm. you're, you're, crea- you're creating a uniting center, um, even, even virtually. Um, and your, your personal philosophy, you know, to me, it's about taking responsibility for oneself and also, as you say, sharing the stories. Um, and I, I wondered if you, you know, we have a couple minutes till the break. Does that align with what you think of as your personal philosophy or just how would you summarize it? 
Yeah, I think being able to take responsibility means I have power. So if I'm waiting for you to treat me better before I'm okay, then I don't feel like I have power. I feel like it's contingent upon you. And we see this a lot in relationships, whether romantic or not. Like, you know, well, if they just did this or if they just did that. And it's like, no, I have to look at the equation that I'm struggling with. with if something's going to change, it has to be me. Um, and so being able to take ownership of my feelings, regardless of what happens, really makes me feel powerful. Like, I feel like I can conquer the world. Um, but I think that most of us aren't able to do that because we're so caught up in um, revenge or we're caught up in, like, it wasn't fair. And it's right. You're right. It wasn't fair. But your healing is your responsibility. So that's... Um, my biggest like model to to kind of share and teach people as they're trying to navigate life. <laughs> Thank you for that. We are going to take a commercial break, but we're going to come back and talk more with Celeste Vissier about going from deficits to strengths in relationships and in life. Don't go away. We'll be right back on Dropping In. America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Books Forward exemplifies excellence in book marketing and promotion, representing New York Times bestsellers, national award-winning books, and books that catch fire on social media and in the digital realm. Books Forward creates ambitious campaigns with unlimited possibilities for sparking buzz while creatively cutting through the noise. Your book deserves to launch with experts who have set the bar in the industry. To learn more, visit booksforward.com or send us an email at info at booksforward.com. A JKS Communications Company. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Dropping In with Diane Dewey. We'd love to hear from you if you have a question or comment about the show. Send us an email to diane at dianedewey.com. That's diane at dianedewey.com. Now, back to Dropping In. Welcome back, everyone. We're here with Celeste Vissier, who is sharing her insights and her personal history in a really generous way to talk about how we convert our deficits into strengths. And in the book, 365 Days of Intentional Living, there's a lot of affirmations, but also probing questions that we can journal about. And then Part of the way through the book, Celeste, you you go back and revisit some of those very same questions because, hey, people grow. Um, I I also, Mm -hmm. I think this idea of um, evolving and personal responsibility, one of the things that you brought out in relationship goals, which I thought was a fantastic idea, is the idea of coming together with your partner and having a meeting. Um, Let's talk about Mm -hmm. how we're doing. Uh, this is something that escapes us. It's so simple that it, we lose track of it. Um, and you mm-hmm. talk about, um, you know, what do I provide? What does he or she provide? What do I need help with? These kinds of questions, kind of assessment questions, um, 
And then you have to kind of stay neutral while you're hearing the hard things to hear sometimes. (laughs) Right? (laughs) How does that work? (laughs) You know, right? It's hard to hear. You're not doing so well in this area. What? I thought I was perfect. Um, You know, it's it's crazy. It's a two-way street, though, right? I mean, this is yeah. really interesting. This is interesting. Um, and how do you? How do we convert from being, you know, that problem saturated? You know, X, Y, Z. This is all what's wrong with you. How do we convert into people that start to really just see the positives in one another? Yeah, and relationships is challenging, right? We're dealing with two people from two different backgrounds with their emotions, and wanted them to be validated. Um, you know, I used to do a relationship, I used to do couples counseling. I, I had to stop because it was too, I was going in there anxious with certain couples because that individual ownership ha- needed to happen. Like, dude, you need to be in therapy individually. Um, and I think that we have to be, we have to like really stop, start with making a commitment to um, ourselves and, and thinking about specifically what do we want to happen, Right. I I know that I want to li- be in a relationship where I'm happy and I'm living. You know, I, I as a therapist and person that talks to people, it feels like everybody's in a miserable relationship. And I'm like, what is the point? Um, I don't want to live with somebody just to wait to, for us to die together, right? Um, and so because of my commitment to wanting a, a happy, peaceful relationship with my partner, um, I had to be willing to accept what he um, is seeing in me, like, or, or the things that, like, is bothering him. Um, and so, like, I have to sit with myself um, and, and be honest and, and, and um, create moments of mindfulness so that I can um, hear him clearly. I think if I'm not working on myself, I'm not going to hear him clearly. I'm just going to feel attacked. Um, and so, like, even, you know, in relationships, if you're struggling with your partner with something, um, first, sit with yourself and be clear about specifically what it is that is struggling, you're, you're having a hard time with, and um, what, what do you think the solution is, right? And then when you go to your partner, really coming at it, not like you did this and you did that, but, like, really um, taking inventory of how it made you feel, like the behavior. Um, but a lot of times, again, like I said earlier, our brain can't differentiate between am I six or am I 26? And so something happens and the the emotion doesn't fit the actual issue in front of you. Um, Mm -hmm. And so a lot of, you know, I think a lot of us being able to take ownership of our life where we are is to, um, you know, we really have to sit with ourselves and come to terms with what is. Um, Mm -hmm. and, And that's, not the easiest thing to do, but it's the best thing that you can do for yourself. What is? I think there's 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 one of the real nuggets and one of the takeaways that I took from your books. But this idea of sitting with yourself, okay, mm-hmm. the demands of time that people have or perceive themselves to have. How do we break okay. that break break that down? Because sitting sitting with yourself, it takes time. People make excuses. How do you focus people on the idea of sitting with yourself? And what's what's really the the importance of it? It's crucial. Yeah. And you know, it. it's funny. I just I just made a post yesterday and said, um, you know, when we get a a heart transplant, when people like have a bad heart, you know, they're gonna 
um, the body might reject the heart because it's foreign to the body, right? Um, when I make a commitment that I want to live and not just survive, I want peace. I don't want to go to bed and, and like feel so down and, or feel anxious, right? I don't want to live my life this way. When I make that commitment, um, then I can actually create a plan um, to like do the things that I say I'm going to do. With that plan comes intentionality, right? 365 days of intentional living. If I'm late for work, I'm going to set my alarm because I have to survive and pay my bills. But when it comes to living, most of us don't know what that feels like or don't know what it's like. So our bodies aren't used to it, right? So when I'm working with my clients, I'm really clear with them that um, in order for change to happen, they have to be intentional. We can have a great therapy session, but like when you get off the therapy line, the, the call with me, you're back into that same environment. If you're not writing down what you want to do, if you're not writing down, let me check in with myself. How am I feeling today? Like what affected me today? Were there any triggers today? What do I need to plan for? You know, if we're not intentional about it, when I wanted to drink more water because I wasn't drinking enough water, I put a sticky note on my computer and I had it there, right? When I wanted to eat mindfully and I would put it a reminder in my calendar, because those little changes that I'm trying to do is better to help me live. But because my body wasn't used to it, I had to put the reminder in. So when you tell yourself you don't have time, you're absolutely right. You don't have time because you have to create the time. And remembering that, like, your system, it, it, it's not going to feel good to sit down. It's going to feel like a big chore. But what's your commitment? If you start with your why, then you'll find yourself being able to to do the task a little bit differently because you have the end goal in mind. It's awesome because um, it is a task and yet we think things can happen magically and change magically without Mm -hmm. this, without the sticky notes, without reminding as though this is going to come naturally. And I like that you kind of back, yeah, you backed up the truck and said, no, you're going to, and it takes, it takes training. Um, we have to train ourselves like, like puppies. Uh, um, and, yeah, and literally, literally um, yeah. pace, pace and instant gratification. You, you have a great quote in the book. I feel like we move at the pace of society and forget to ask ourselves what it is that we want out of life. So mm-hmm. why, and this is why we settle, but what if we mm-hmm. didn't, what if we didn't settle and what if we didn't even settle into relationships that we do want? What if we raised the bar and said, no, I'd like to change that. I'd like to make that change. Um, you know, how that comes about in terms of saying no to societal standards and expectations well, I'm supposed to be happy. I feel like a jerk because I'm not happy. I've got this house, the kids, the nice husband. You know, how do you step away and say, no, actually, I'm, I'm not at the place that everybody thinks I am. How does that happen? Yeah, being comfortable with the idea of like you're going to experience some discomfort. And I think, like, you, we look at society now, and society is chaotic, right? And I say this to my clients all the time. Do you really want to keep going at the pace of society? You know, when we're waking up in the morning, we're grabbing our phones, um, we're doing things that's not feeding our spirit and our mind, then we're choosing for us to go at the pace of society. Um, and, again, like, 
when I was changing, when, like 10 years ago, putting stuff about mental health, people was like, oh, is everything okay? You know, I, I seem like the odd mm-hmm. one, right? And and sometimes now I do, I feel like I'm the odd one. When the pandemic happened, I honestly, I didn't feel fear. I had peace. And I'm like, what's going on? It's like all the things that I do for myself um, has allowed that to happen. But as I was changing, I got lonely because I had to get rid of some people that was in my life, stop doing some things I was doing before. It was a lonely transition, right? It was hard because I'm getting rid of so much. But now I get to get to the core of me and have that peace that I've been looking for. But that's because I start every day with my why. Even to this day, it's not like you arrive and you're healed and you're fine. Like, it's it's like eating food. We have to eat every day to nourish our body, right? I have to work on developing my spirit so I can really be in touch with everything that's available to me. And I will never know that if I don't make space to be still. And so making mm-hmm. space to be still and challenging yourself um, will seem unnatural, but what is it that you're trying to get to? Your, your goal is to have peace. Your goal is to live and not survive. And so, you know, when we go to college, we know we're going to graduate a certain day, so we're going to complete those semesters. I don't have a date for when you're going to find that peace, but I do know when you start to train your mind and your body to creating peace in your life, it has no other choice but to fall in line with the environment that you're creating for it. Um, And so, like, keeping that in mind is important as you're trying to do this journey. Mm-hmm. It's a commitment, as you say, and um, it's an aspect of our lives that it's easy to ignore, even in a pandemic. Celeste Vissier yep. has, has um, you know, uncannily became Celeste Therapist on your podcast prior to the pandemic, but during the pandemic, it became absolutely a go-to source and the platform that mm-hmm. most therapists um, used. And I really just want to thank you so much, Celeste, for being with us. We have, ju- we have just a couple minutes left, but um, what is your preferred way to be contacted? Um, you have a website, celestetherapist.com, Instagram, Facebook, uh, and your podcast. What's your preferred way if people want to be in touch with you some more? Yeah, they can go to celestetherapist.com. There's a, a link there where they can stay connected um, or follow me on social media, Celeste Therapist everywhere. Okay. Well, your message has been one of finding peace, even during the pandemic, that's been hard to do. Thanks very much for the encouragement in doing that. And thanks so much for the tools to be able to actually put it Put it in gear. Um, it's 36 days, 365 days of living intentionally and also relationship goals. Celeste, the therapist, thank you. Thank, thank you so much for being with us. Thanks to our engineers, Matt Widener and Aaron Keller, to our executive producer, Robert Cialino, and most of all, to you, our listeners. Remember to stay safe and get a Band-Aid if you need one. Till next week. Thanks so much for dropping in. Thank you so much for dropping in. Please join Diane Dewey again next Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll see you then.